listening to The Pipeline, a proverbial aqueduct flowing between the hands of poverty and the hands of Jesus. This program is produced and sponsored by Pipes International. For more information and resources, like us on Facebook or visit our website at pipesinternational.org. If you'd like to support this program or the ministry of Pipes International, you can do so easily and securely on the website. Buona Asifiwe. Amen. Come on. Buona Asifiwe means praise the Lord in Swahili. And I love that phrase. Welcome back to The Pipeline. My name is Stuart Isaac Harrier. I'm your host. And this is episode two of season two. I'm really excited that we finally got season two up and rolling again. Uh, Pastor Samuel's not here with me today, but I do have a special guest for you. I'll get to him in a minute. Um, But Pastor Samuel is currently in Pakistan ministering with Pastor Victor and our Pakistan team. Um, So keep them in your prayers. Uh, The work is going really, really well. They're working uh, with, with indigenous peoples and sharing the gospel. They're working through the Bible studies. Pastor Samuel is... Um, planning and and overseeing just expansion projects for the ministry and how we can continue to grow as an organization and uh, reach more people all across the world, especially in the Middle East. So that's very exciting, and we're just so thankful that you guys are tracking with us. To our listeners, truly, this is um, such a blessing to be able to minister to you in this way. We consider the Pipeline podcast kind of a three or even four-fold tool in terms of how we do ministry. One, obviously, it's it's an outreach tool. We just want to get the word out there as far as uh, the needs for indigenous peoples all over the world. And then clearly also it's a fundraising tool. We want to give you opportunities to provide financially for the work that's being done. Also, it's kind of an archival tool. We want to just keep an archive of what we're doing and the work that's being done, um, you know, week by week, month by month. Obviously, we don't do an episode every week. We have, we're going to try to do at least two a month. That's our goal. Um, but this season is going to be really, really special. I think we're going to have some really special guests coming to us. We have some amazing stories that we want to share with you in upcoming episodes. Um, Just give some testimonials of the ways that the Lord has truly answered prayers. Um, And we believe in the power of prayer. If you guys have, have partnered with us in prayer, we thank you so much because your prayers mean so much to us. And we know that the Lord hears our prayers and that when we agree together in prayer, he moves mountains. And so, I mean, it's just, it's encouraging to me to know that we have so many listeners who are partnering with us in prayer. And that is the, the, the number one thing that we're really asking for you to do is to pray. And um, yeah, so we have some awesome stories that we're going to share with you to just let you in on how the Lord has been answering prayer, whether it's even within the families of some of Pipes International staff members or board members, um, and then also obviously what's going on overseas with with our teams in in so many different countries. We have teams 
In Pakistan, we have teams in Kenya and Burundi and Rwanda and the Democratic Republic of Congo, and we have ministry ongoing in Indonesia and Mexico, and we're currently exploring opportunities in Tanzania and uh, potentially even Uganda in the future. So the Lord is growing the ministry, and obviously, if you are um, if you're in tune with what's going on in the world right now, you know that the need for the gospel is greater than ever before. And it's clear that the Lord is preparing his bride to return to a bride that is not sleeping and not, um, you know, not just passively going through life, but actively pursuing him and, and reaching the lost and, and touching unreached people groups. And so Pipes International is passionate about that. That's exactly what we do. We talk and minister to and serve and uh, pour out financial resources and food resources and anything else that we can possibly get to these people. Um, One of the major things that we've done, and you've heard about this in previous episodes, is obviously the discipleship workbook, Um, but there are other ongoing efforts that you can directly contribute to financially if you so desire. Um, one of the things that we're doing that we mentioned briefly last in the last episode again was uh, building houses. So it, you know, building houses is something maybe you've heard of this before in terms of building in third world countries, but it's it is not expensive to build a decent little home for a family that has nothing before, and and it's in the neighborhood of two to three thousand dollars. I think it's three thousand actually, and what we've seen is people transitioning lives, indigenous peoples coming out of the forest with absolutely nothing. They're used to living in huts, in little in little houses and, and sticks, you know, with sticks and mud and leaves um, and branches and anything they can find. And it's just so unsanitary. It's so unhealthy for children. Oftentimes children don't even live because the conditions are so unhealthy and they're so unsanitary. And so one of the things that we're doing is building as many houses as we can for indigenous peoples. And uh, if you haven't listened to our previous episodes from season one, I'm particularly referring to the history of the pygmies episode. This episode gave a really helpful outline of the history of the pygmies and their story, particularly the story of, um, you know, their plight, understanding how they have been abused uh, systematically, and then how we have been able to intervene and help them. Um, But all that to say, building homes is an essential tool for getting people out of poverty, having land especially for them that they can call their own and that they can live on and build a life, start a farm, have a family. That's an essential tool. And so we are so proud to be able to do that in the name of Jesus and carry the gospel with us. And I would also just want to refer you to our social media. Um, Whether you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you can do either one of those. The one of the previous uh, pictures that was posted was about three weeks ago, and it's with 
Sammy Jr., Pastor Samuel's son, and Esther, his wife, and then three little pygmy babies. This, this picture is so beautiful because it gives just a clear, a clear visual of the conditions that these people live in. They're literally standing or sitting right in front of a home here. And um, so we're just so thankful to to build homes for people that actually are solid and sturdy and that they can start a life in. And we just praise the Lord for that. All right. So without any more time gone, let me introduce you to Pastor Isaac. You've heard us talk about Pastor Isaac many times in previous episodes, if you've been following us. Pastor Isaac is a huge blessing, and that is an understatement, to Pipes International. He truly is a man of integrity and faithfulness and love and character and honor, and we are honored to have him on our team. Pastor Samuel found him a number of years ago through a friend of ours, the late Pastor Washira in in Sagana, Kenya, and Pastor Isaac is a missionary at heart. Pastor Isaac and his family live in Kenya. His wife's name is Irene, and they just had another beautiful baby not too long ago, so their family is growing. Um, through the generosity of our Givers and Pipes International, we were able to fund a vehicle for Pastor Isaac, and to those of you who gave to that so generously, we thank you so much. That was a huge blessing. So Pastor Isaac now has a reliable means of transportation to get all over the country and through uh, Central and, and East Africa. And on top of that, we are excited to have him bring a little history lesson to you from his home. And um, he's going to be specifically talking to us about the Maasai. He'll be talking to us about this indigenous people group and how Pipes has been able to serve them, but also just giving us a better understanding of who they are, how they function in culture and society, how they interact with modern culture. You're going to hear um, some kind of intense stories, but real life stories, uh, examples of how they definitely adhere to a traditional lifestyle, which is how the United Nations would define an indigenous person or people group as a group of people that does not conform to modern society. And in many ways, um, they just, you know, they stick to ancient traditions. So we're excited to have him without any more time gone. I'm just going to pass it over to Pastor Isaac. Thank you, Stuart, for having me on this podcast to talk about the Maasai. You know, it is said in Kenya that the only person that the African lion fears is the Maasai. So who are the Maasai? The Maasai are an erotic ethnic group inhibiting northern and uh, central and southern Kenya and northern Tanzania. They speak Ma language, which is a group of closely related Eastern erotic languages spoken in parts of Kenya and Tanzania by more than a million people. They are among the best known local populations internationally due to their residence near many game parks of the African Great Lakes and their distinctive customs and dress code. So let's talk about their origin and migration to Kenya. According to the tribe's own oral history, the Maasai originated north of Lake Takana 
that is northwest Kenya, in the lower Nile Valley. They began migrating south in the 15th century and arrived in the long trunk of land stretching across central Tanzania and northern Kenya during the 17th and 18th centuries. So let's talk about their, their culture, uh, starting with their mythology or Maasai religion. In Maasai, culture, nature, and its elements are important facets of their religion. Gai, also called Nkai, or uh, Gai, is the androgynous supreme creator, possessing both feminine and masculine principles. The Maasai refer to Gai's primordial dwelling as Odonyo Lengai, that is to say, the mountain of God, which they believe is located in northern Tanzania. Gai, or Nkai's name, is synonymous to rain. In Maasai religion, the Liborn, Turo is Liboni, intercedes between the world, the world of the living and the creator. They are the Maasai's high priests and diviners. In addition to organizing, presiding over religious ceremonies, including sacrifice and libation, they also heal the living physically and spiritually. About their social organization, the Maasai organized in age groups. Uh, every 15 years or so, a new generation of Morans, that is warriors, is initiated, uh, which fall under the age groups of 12 to 25 years. One rite of passage from boyhood to status of a junior warrior is a, is a circumcision. Uh, it's a ceremony that is performed traditionally uh, by elders who use a sharpened knife and makeshift cut to hide bandages for procedure. The maward for circumcision is emorata. The boy must endure the operation in silence. Expressions of pain bring dishonor at bait temporarily. Any exclamations can cause a mistake in the delicate and tedious process which can result in lifelong scarring, dysfunction, and pain. The healing process will take three to four months, during which urination is painful and nearly impossible at times, and boys must remain in black clothes for a period of four to eight months. Regarding the girls, they do the house chores, such as cooking and milking, skills which they learn from their mothers at an early age. Most Maasai wear the color red, which symbolizes their culture, and they believe it scares away lions. Also, most Maasai wear a, you know, a red robe. The women wear clothes that are colorful and decorated with beards. Warriors wear their hair in braids that are dyed red. They also have the adumu, that is the jumping dance. It is a highly recognizable ritual of the Maasai, and it is just one in a series of rituals that make up the Yunoto. That is, Yunoto is the ceremony in which the junior warriors, or Morani, graduate to the ranks of manhood. 
Maasai are pastoralists that they keep cattle for you know, livelihood. There are some cultures that uh, uh, some practices in the Maasai culture that are not uh, you know, regarded as good like the early marriages where young girls are married to you know men who are more than twice their age there is also polygamy and there is also the the female genital mutilation the fgm or simply female circumcision which is considered as a rite of passage not only by the maasai also in uh, quite a number of african tribes so uh let us talk about the maasai today uh, they have not fared well in modern africa until the european settlers arrived fierce maasai tribes occupied uh, occupied the most fertile lands other tribes of Kenya have adapted readily to the progress of modern times. In contrast, the Maasai have persisted in their traditional ways. So as Kenya takes more land for growing uh, uh, tribes and agriculture, uh, the Maasai suffer. However, there is quite a number who have embraced the modern times lifestyle. They are now Maasai leaders in key government leadership positions and institutions. The, about uh, the gospel, reception of the gospel, they are among the people who receive the gospel with open hearts and many have accepted Jesus as their, as their Lord and Savior. There are, however, some kind of combine, you know, they are ancient religion and Christianity, uh, reluctant to let go of some of their ancient beliefs. So since January this year, Pipes International has begun some missions work with the Maasai people of Mailitisa. Mailitisa is a town that is nine miles away from another town that is called Namanga, which is just uh, near the, uh, the, the Kenya and Tanzania border. So it is nine miles away from that town called Namanga. So it's called in Swahili, Mailitisa. So in partnership with uh, local churches and uh, Reverend Moses Crianto and other pastors, Pipes has been uh, working with the Maasai uh, since January. And uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic period, we have been working closely with the churches in helping the Maasai with foodstuffs, donations, and also, you know, face masks, uh, soap, and, uh, you know, buckets for storing water uh, during the pandemic uh, period. Also, there is some discipleship classes that are, uh, scheduled to begin anytime soon uh, in Maltisa and the surrounding towns. As you may have heard, Pipes International has developed a discipleship book which is currently being used in uh, by churches, families 
and individuals across the world. And we are looking forward to have the book translated into my language soon. So we are looking forward to have a mission center established in Mailtisa uh, that will help in many areas, especially uh, in education. Realize there are no schools around. And uh, when I was there, the only school that was uh, available was more than 10 miles away. And you know, as we said earlier, the Maasai live near game parks. So there are wild animals around, you know, and uh, it's a risky journey for, 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 for the kids who are going to school quite a distance and uh, in the forest. So a school would be a good project. So Pipes is looking forward to have a mission center there uh, very soon. So Pipes is working now with the Maasai in Maeltisa. And we are basically looking at how we can help them and work with them, you know, not changing their culture. You know, they're the good side. They have beautiful culture. They have good dressing uh, code. Uh, but we are just uh, looking forward to, you know, work with them, uh, show them the love of Christ, and uh, they will get their, uh, the people... Uh, what they need, like the you know holistic ministry, the social social amenities, uh, by God's uh, grace, uh, we we make them available for them, and uh, we thank God for you know helping us venture into Maasai land. So thank you so much, and uh, uh, we are looking forward to. You know, have people all over, those who are partners, who partner with Pipes International, come and see these beautiful people as we show them the love of God. Thank you so much again for having me on this podcast. Uh, my name is Pastor Isaac Miner, and I am part of Pipes International. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pipeline. For more information and resources, like us on Facebook or visit our website at pipesinternational.org. If you'd like to support this program or the Ministry of Pipes International, you can do so easily and securely on the website. Buana Asifiwe.